0: We Are I Oh hunting how I have a, a love-hate relationship with you, and so does every other hunter, you know, and fisherman have the same thing. And I guess anybody endeavoring on any sport has this love-hate relationship with it. You know, with any sport that they do. But hunting and fishing, I find when you were when you were out there to be able to retrieve something else. You know, maybe martial arts is the same way because you are trying to get something that doesn't want to be got. So maybe there's a, a really good correlation. But then you could say, you know, maybe defense, defending something is the same thing as not wanting to get caught. But I think it's it's slightly different. You know, when you are going against another, you know, biological being that does not want to be caught, does not want to be able to be in the position that you want to put it in, you know, and... I think jujitsu would probably be one of the the closest examples of this because, you know, it's one of those ones, one of those sports that you really take the distance. And it's almost to the point where, you know, you are taking somebody's life like this would be the equivalent to, you know, choking somebody out. You know, it's a, a falsehood of taking somebody's life. You know, when when you arm bar somebody, your leg lock or, you know, anything along those lines. When you submit somebody, it's it's telling them that you have dominance over them as a human being. So, hunting 101, my love-hate relationship. You know, and this goes back now 39 years of my life because I was born and bred into a hunting and fishing culture in southern Alberta. You know, my bags are literally always packed. You know, if somebody said, do you want to go hunting? I could walk home or walk in my door at home. I could grab my bags and I could be ready to go in five minutes. I'm always ready to go. Just because I was, I was always taught that you have your go bags for your different activities. And that's, this is why I have so many different packs. You know, the only thing that would, make me spend an extra five minutes as if we were going overnight and I needed to pack my tent, my sleeping bag and, you know, food and some gear. But I grab my packs. Then I realize, well, are my knives as sharp as they could be? No, probably not. So I get the knife sharpener out and I'm sharpening those knives and making sure the tip's nice and sharp. It's not just about the, the blade being sharp. If anybody's a hunter out there listening, you know that the tip of your knife needs to be sharp. This is imperative. This is critical. You know, because most of the time you're only using that first little half inch to an inch of the blade and you need the tip to be very pointy, very sharp. So I have my my two skinning knives that I sharpen up that are so sharp that they could split a hair in half. You have my field dressing knife that is just the same. Make sure the blade's nice and small you know, easy to manipulate, very sharp. Then I also have my surgical scalpel with a bunch of extra blades. You know, for all the hunters out there, they'll know exactly the reason why that I have those, those different blades and why I have two skinning knives and not one. Why I have a very small bladed field dressing knife that's very, very sharp. And the reason why that I have a scalpel with multiple blades. Knives, check. Yep. Knife sharpener, multiple, check. Sharpening stone, check. Got all those. This is important. Binoculars, check. Spotting scope, absolutely. Because I have a separate pack that houses just my binoculars, just my spotting scope, a first aid kit, and a knife. That's it. That's all that's in it. Because those things, I need that bag to be at the go because it has very important tools. These tools are exactly what I need to be able to be successful in what I'm about to embark on. So that that all deserves a separate pack all on its own. And then I have my utility pack that's always full of so much more gear than what I will ever need for one singular event. But this utility pack is packed with everything, everything that I would need if I got caught outside. So it's as much of a survival pack as it is, a utility pack, because it has everything. Everything down to my tiny little MSR stove to, you know, multiple knives, headlamp, bear spray, a plate, you know, a multi-use eating tool. It has everything. Extra clothes. It has my manuals. It has maps. It has everything that I need. If I needed to stay overnight, I could be successful. I could survive in almost any weather conditions. It's paramount. Because when you're hunting, especially, or when you're hiking, you need that safety and that security because there's going to be some time when you're going to get caught. and You're going to be glad that you have all that gear. And trust me, I've been caught. And I've been lucky to be able to get out without that gear. Which is the reason why I will never go out without it now. And then I grab my other pack that's specifically just for hauling out game. If we harvest something that is too far into the backcountry or not accessible by vehicle. I have my pack that is specifically and only for packing meat, post-harvest, that's it. Because you don't want to use your everyday pack for this because you know you can't really wash a pack that well. And I'll leave it at that. So I have all, all my gear in the car, I'm out and I'm ready to go. Hunting in an area that I've never hunted before, hunting with somebody that I've only ever hunted once before, one morning, one morning hunt. So the equivalent to, you know, three, four hours of a hunt. You know, and we get out there and I drive for four and a half hours to be able to get to where he is in prime whitetail country in BC. This is what I want. So I grew up eating whitetail and. You know, a lot of orchards in that Okanagan Valley. I'm really interested to see what that meat tastes like. You know, and we, we get out there on Friday night and I meet up with him and I immediately hop in his car and we head out to the spot where we're going to go somewhere where I've seen a four point white tail buck, you know, earlier in the year surveying around trying to look around seeing a a whole bunch of fresh tracks you know but Friday night this is a little bit more of a a recon mission like where are all the tracks are they around the whole property because this is a 150 acre orchard let's hope that they're not around the whole property they're just around this one very specific corner the the southeast corner which if you look at the lay of the land And not only where the buildings are all situated on this line, it's the the furthest away from all the people. And it's the two access points that one access is a field, one access is a a gully because there's a game fence around this whole property. The people who own it don't want the deer eating the cherries off the trees. So we're like, okay, you know, we know exactly where we're going. We know exactly where they're going to be, if they're going to be here. Let's just sit and, wait. Let's sit and wait and see if we see anything. Friday night goes by, nothing, don't see anything. Well, that's okay. That's all right. Even though I've seen this four-point white tail buck, you know, earlier in the year, <clears throat> more in the afternoon and in the evening. But that's all right. There's lots of activity around here. Plus, there's a, a house with a couple dogs, you know, right where these deer need to walk out through this hole in this game fence that's these people's driveway you know that's okay obviously they're used to it if I've seen them there before those dogs have been there before the house has always been there they are pretty habituated but you know still they're a wild animal they're gonna scare easy so we are like okay we know where we're gonna go we know where we're gonna go on Saturday morning we have our game plan we we sit there and we chit chat because there's not a lot of glassing to do and for those of you that don't know what glassing is that's when you're looking through your spotting scope or your binoculars trying to find something it's just this industry coined term called glassing you know because the topography and being an orchard you can only really look down maybe you know with two or three or four rows of where you're trying to where you're trying to look because you know like the trees are just too tall a deer could be walking up and down any one of those rows that was five rows over from you and you would never see it so rolling landscapes, there's so many places where they could hide on top of that even if you could see down, you know, each of the rows, the, the topography is rolling, you know, by about, you know, 50 to 100 feet, depending on where you're at. So that's going to make it impossible. Never mind, like I said, there's two points in this game fence that are open to driveways that go down into this gully that, you know, one goes to a trailer, the other one goes to a pump house where they can walk through there. And then we found a place where the fence spans a little bit of a washout where you could easily see that the deer have been walking underneath that. But they did their best to be able to, uh, to make it so they can't, putting up a little barricade. So now we know that there's these two choke, choke points where they could be coming to. It's okay. We got our game plan. We got our game plan in mind. So this is only part one maybe a two or three part series about my hunting trip so there's the foundation laid. hopefully you'll tune in for episode number two and possibly episode number three